0: welcome to the carefree black nerd podcast a conversation about representation in comics and related media i am your host rain coleman and today we're going to get into a review of the movie american fiction now i was one who wanted to see this movie right away this movie did not show up in my town just like the angry black girl and her monster but you know, whatever, Um, and eventually did get a wider release, and I was able to see the movie. Now, this movie is pretty interesting and was kind of important to me for a few different reasons, one of which is it is discussing the publishing industry. Um, It's based off of a book called Erasure by Percival. I forget Percival's name, last name, but it is based off of that book. I haven't read the book at the time of this recording. I think I'll try to get into that this year. Um, but it's based off of the book and Percival and also Monk, the main character being black men in publishing really piqued my interest. It's satire. It's interesting. It has a lot of, uh, names that I'm used to and that I admire beautiful black folks in this film all in all a good movie. But the other reason is because I am publishing myself. So I'm currently in the works, um, of preparing my debut novel and not certain of a release date just yet i'll keep you posted but a lot of the ideals feelings emotions expressed throughout this movie felt so real <laughs> like of course they should it's a uh, property people are acting in it they're wonderful actors but to drive it home a little bit more i do discuss representation in comics and related media and this is the related media portion of it um POCs and specifically Black folks, for the uh, purpose of this conversation, in publishing do not experience the same experiences, for lack of a better term, that our white counterparts do. And though that, how do I say this? Essentially, this is the journey that I'm going on myself. And so, though. It is a fictional story. I mean, is it really? Because a lot of these elements we see all day, every day anyways. So this is your heads up warning, full spoilers. If you have not seen the movie and you plan on watching it, this review will have nothing but spoilers. I will say that I'm not going to get into every single nook and cranny of the movie. because I do think this is something that everyone should watch. Everyone should look at and really investigate your relationship to... Uh, publishing to written work To fictional work Because fictional or not The situations themselves are real So that's my spiel I'm Rain Coleman You're going to get into this review I hope you guys like it uh, Hit me up on Twitter and TikTok CarefreeBlurred IG and YouTube At CarefreeBlackNerd If you want the visuals for this vlog Podcast thing Go to the movies with me Those will be linked in the show notes as well Or just go over there to YouTube And search Carefree Black Nerd American Fiction all that being said please enjoy the review let me know what your thoughts are Pot is the hashtag and i hope you guys have a wonderful phenomenal whatever time you're having while listening to this <laughs> all right All right, y'all, so American fiction, man, it was, it was something. I'll say right now, I enjoyed the movie. Like, I enjoyed it. There were a lot of things that happened that I am still thinking about. And I will say that this is a story, characters, book, movie that I would love to revisit. But if we never get any more from them, I think this was solid. So starting off, um, American fiction, is a 2023 this is american comedy drama film now this was written and directed by cord jefferson this was his directorial debut and the movie is based off the 2001 novel erasure by percival everett the film follows a frustrated novelist professor who jokingly writes an outlandish stereotypical black book out of spite only for the book to be published and receive widespread fame and acclaim This movie stars Jeffrey Wright, Tracy Evans-Ross, Issa Rae, Stoner K. Brown, John Ortiz, Erica Alexander, Leslie Uggams, um, Adam Brody, Keith David. Everett is um, also the executive producer on the film alongside with Ryan Johnson. This movie was something else. So in the theater, um, the last few movies that I've gone to see, I've gotten my ticket like late. I've just... um, Got a ticket, got the last one on a roll, and just watched and enjoyed it. Sometimes there's folks there, sometimes they're not. And this wasn't any different. Well, the different part about it is that this movie was not slated to appear in theaters in my hometown, hometown in my city. And I don't know what powers to be made it possible, but here we are. And so um, it had a wider release here in Dallas, and I have enjoyed every bit of it. So when getting to the theater, Sitting down and watching it, I had high expectations just because I saw the trailer. The trailer was so funny. And I'll say one thing that I enjoy about this movie is that even the moments that appeared in the trailer, when they appeared in the movie, were just as funny. And there were so many other things sandwiched in between that the trailer, to me, doesn't feel like it's spoiling a lot and all the funny parts are there. A lot of trailers you may see in superhero or just movies in general where a lot of the story is there but one thing if i can combat that a little one thing that i think is something to be considered that if though i do have my frustrations with trailers if your movie falls apart simply by a couple scenes being in the trailer then that's not really a good look so this movie american fiction premiered in the toronto international film festival and this was on september 8th of 2023 This won the People's Choice Award. It received a limited theatrical release by Amazon MGM Studios on December 15, 2023. And that will piss me off because it did not come to my town. I was mad about it. Um, So it had an expansion in December. On December twenty second, 2023, it received positive reviews from critics with Wright's performance earning widespread acclaim. Because like, of course, that man... mm, 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 mm. So... Uh, It was named uh, one of the top 10 films of 2023 by the American Film Institute and has received numerous accolades, including two nominations at the 81st Golden Globe Awards, including Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, and five nominations at the 29th Critics' Choice Awards, including Best Picture. (sighs) So let's run through this cast. We have Jeffrey Wright as Thelonious Monk Ellison. We have Tracy Ellis Ross as Lisa Ellison. We have Issa Ray as Sinatra Golden. Stoner K. Brown as Clifford Cliff Ellison. John Ortiz as Arthur, excuse me. Erica Alexander as Coraline. Leslie Uggams as Agnes Ellison. Adam Brody as Wiley. Keith David as Wiley the (laughs) Wonker. I'm sorry, Willie the Wonker. Ona Darwin as uh, Van Gogh Jenkins. Uh, Myra Lucretia Taylor as Lorraine. Raymond Anthony Tyler as Maynard, Miriam I'm sorry, Miriam Shore as Paula, uh, Michael Cyrus Crichton as John Bosco, JC McKenzie as Carl Brunt, Patrick Fisher as Mandel, Ryan uh, Richard Doyle as Ned. Now the characters I'm going to focus on in this review, look back, whatever it will be, Jeffrey um, as Thelonious, Tracy as Lisa, Issa Reyes Sinatra, Sterling as Clifford, John Ortiz as Arthur, Erica as Coraline, um Leslie is agnes starting off with jeffrey jeffrey astoloni the whole movie essentially follows him being this professor in california who has to go back home he is a hard ass perfect well i don't even say hard ass because i feel like the way the movie set him up was to be that kind of professor that pushed back. Now my concern with him a bit throughout the beginning of the film was this idea of not seeing race or not acknowledging race. But it wasn't in the way that like, oh, I don't see color, so I don't care if you're black or white. It wasn't that. It felt like it was him trying to, or operating with his race as something extremely secondary that, And I don't think that's inherently a bad thing, depending on, I guess, what you're doing, but also the reality of it is that your race is going to factor into the things that you do and how you're perceived. And so I was a little bit on the fist of him at first, but his attitude was very familiar. This movie gagged me in a way that I am embarrassed to admit the Comedy parts are really good, the heavy drama parts are really good, and the through line of family and relationships and separation and reconnection was heavy. So he um, we open up with this very pivotal scene that truly shows you what type of person he is, and he is talking with what with his class of students about something. And there's this one young white girl with green hair, which I think, I want to say that was a deliberate choice of like this colorful haired white woman leftist feminist character. That can't, I, I, I have to think that that's it because there were other white women in that scene who just had like natural colored hair and they didn't have any speaking roles. But her opposition was to the N word because it was spelled out on the board. And she said, I think that's wrong. And he said, (laughs) No, I think it has two Gs in it. And I'm like, bro, what the hell? And so him and her are kind of going back and forth. Not anything aggressive, or it was just like this kind of sparring of words. And he says to her, she's like, oh, I don't, I just don't think it's right. And he was like, well, I think if I can get over it, you can too. And... That scene ends with her kind of rushing out of class and him raising his voice and then him in the principal's office dealing with three of his colleagues who I think were his superiors who were like, look, you are terrible. He even asked a a young man who was German if his family were Aussies. And he said the way that boy was squirming in his seat it had to be true. I was like, what? (laughs) What is happening? So um, then we move on to him going back home seeing his sister tracy Ellis ross so he is a professor his sister is a medical doctor and his brother is a plastic surgeon uh their parents their mother was a doctor i don't know i don't know if they mentioned what type of doctor but i know their father was an OBGYN. and from there on out the movie follows him getting back to the roots of family <clears throat> and figuring out how to maneuver, how to go forward. So that's one storyline. And then there's also the professional authorness of it all. And then there's also that, what is the cost of your soul? What is the cost of your um, identity, your, your morals, your convictions? So throughout the movie, we meet his family members. We see that his mom is sort of declining. Her mental, mental health is not as it should be. And him and Tracy Ellis Ross, who is his sister, Lisa, they have a conversation about it. And I, and I'll I'll say this, the chemistry between everyone on this movie was phenomenal. I believe these folks are siblings and him and Lisa are talking and, you know, she's talking about, she's going through or having separated. And I think she's getting ready to go through a divorce or she's divorced. And he and her are kind of going back and forth about their mother because it's like like she says Lisa I'm the one here taking care of her you and Cliff the other brother ran away out west as soon as you could I'm here taking care of her and with the divorce I don't have the funds to take care of her in the way that I did before and I like that it was terrifying to watch um, because dealing with the Uh, Mortality is not necessarily a bad thing, but the mortality with the side effects that may come with it. With Alzheimer's and dementia and declining health, it's like, oh, having to make those tough decisions and having those tough conversations with family. Um, So Lisa played by Tracy Ellis Ross was a phenomenal character as well. I'll say one of my issues with the movie is her character and it's not because she did anything bad. I don't know what the budget was like. I don't know what the, I, cause I haven't read Percival's book. So I don't know if this was a direct adaptation or if there were some liberties that were made, but spoiler for the whole movie, Lisa dies. And it was jarring. And so I liked that because you pulled me in, you had me interested and invested in her and in the family and seeing what would come from the earlier conversations. But I, it hit me hard. And I was like, God damn, why would you kill her off? And I, I'm sure that was intentional because you, you did get attached to her. She was so charming and her and Monk's chemistry was there. And some of the childhood issues that were kind of bubbling under the surface came to the head as well. But to have her die like that was like, out, ah, blew my mind. Um, now my issue with that kind of stems from the idea like in comic books where you have a girlfriend or a wife and you just kill them off or you put them in a refrigerator in order to give the male lead something tumultuous and some turmoil turmoil to deal with and i don't think that's exactly what happened here but i can't we it i just wonder how different of a movie would have been had she lived Uh, but that's not something i'm hung up on 100% because there were other women other black women in the film but I was just like man why you take her out but it also feel kind of hypocritical because her death kind of made not kind of made Monk have to stand up and, and take charge of her role in her mother's life you need to do these things that you weren't doing for years and you didn't have to because I was here and they were leaning on me and I'm not a woman I'm not a black woman so I don't know the specifics, but I'm sure based off of conversations I've had and heard, there is a conversation to be had there of not only the child stays behind to take care of the parent, but also the girl child having that burden of just being expected to be the caretaker. So, um, again, that's not a conversation that I, uh, leave but I know that there's there's something there so I hated that she was gone we um we meet what's the lady's name the the housekeeper uh, Lorraine played by Myra L- L- Luc- Lucretia Taylor Lorraine Lorraine was a sweetheart and I liked her and her presence to me I'll say watching this movie when when she popped up, first thing came to my mind was like, oh, is this an, a sister? Is this an aunt? Is this a sister of the mother? But knowing that she's the housekeeper, caretaker, whatever, in my mind, and I'm sure this was intentional, oh, they got money. They got a little bit of money. You got this woman here who has been there for years, because she calls um, Theophil- Theophilus Lord. She calls Monk, Mr. Monk, and he's like, don't call me that. Thelonious is like, no, don't call me that. And she's like, oh, you always be Mr. Monk to me or something. But her, she gets her own storyline. And I think there's a conversation to be had about her parts of the movie, maybe taken away from other things. Because I think the pacing of this movie, I don't think it was bad. I think it was different. And I'll try to circle it all back. So there are gaps of time that passes in this movie that... That feel a little foreign, and that's not a bad thing. It feels a little foreign because I guess I'm used to movies and series that may have the display of X amount of time has passed or that may have longer runtime to do a little bit more. But there were relationships that were just kind of grown off-screen, but it wasn't jarring like it was done poorly. Um, and I will get to her in a bit, but the Erica Alexander character Coraline when her and Monk meet, and then when they get comfortable, and then when they deal with the family stuff, it's expected or understood that she has been around. And so these people are familiar with her. And I don't know if I have the words for it, but that, that action or inaction in and of itself kind of showed the passage of time, not just we've moved gaps of time. And so where this event is happening in a month, now we're here, but it also showed in the relationships between everybody. And I thought that was very stellar. So going back to Lorraine, she, um, her presence showed me they got a little bit of money. Even when Cliff was like, well, is you gonna fire Lorraine? And Monica's like, no, that's, she's family. And he was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Cause I ain't got no money to help out. And having Lorraine have her own kind of C-plot, of her meeting up or reconnecting with Maynard, which is the security guard who just is kind of in the cast. He's just kind of someone they knew from when they were kids. And then this love affair and then eventually getting married. I particularly like that. And I know there's a conversation that if we had that eliminated completely, we can maybe flesh out other stuff more. But I think that it's very important to have seen that because it's one thing to have a, a person in the cast and be like, oh, this is family. You're like family. And then it's still, they're just in this servitude role where even though that's their occupation, like they're still the housekeeper, the maid, the groundskeeper, whatever. but. I feel bringing in her and Maynard's relationship and having us watch it progress, just like we watched Monk and Coraline, just like we watched Cliff and all his little jump offs, and we like she was just folded in. And and I'm again, I think there's a conversation to be made about does this feel like it fits naturally? And I think it does. But again, to walk it back, I think. Lorraine and Maynard's relationship being seen from start to finish or start to present day, have it develop and have her folded in, in, uh, if not specifically the decision-making, but being around for those conversations and being someone who is at the home, who, um, is included in, uh, thoughts of the future. I thought that was great again, it could be easy to be like, oh, we say Jeffrey, the housekeeper, is family, but we just see him as family. We don't fold him in as if his life decisions are just as important as ours, even though that's his occupation. So I think with Lorraine, I like that. I enjoyed that. So with Clifford, his character, so what they did with this movie is something that I like and I think I like in in TV shows as well, it's where you have the omnipresence of a person. In this case, it was a spouse. And they're never seen. They're never here, but they're... Them as a character is still important. So Clifford has a wife who left him, and he has kids. We never see the kids either. And the kids hate him. And it's all because of him having an affair on their mother, and he has an affair with the man. She caught him in bed with the man, she left him, and that's that. And so, her and the kids being upset with him and leaving him, and then draining those finances, of course, add to him and this not being able to assist fully. Because, in my mind, when I look at this film, if we. Dropped in on his family a year prior to the start of this movie. I would imagine Lisa has the most expendable income because she, she's married. And I would assume that her husband, because I don't think we mentioned his occupation, but was a doctor or some sort of professional as well. And then we have Cliff and his wife and kids who are out west in Arizona. He's a plastic surgeon. I would again imagine that the wife has some decent Um, profession as well or if she is a housewife they are still happily together so there's no splitting of the funds and so he would be next wealthy and then uh, Monk would then be in third place but still you know because he's supporting just himself and not a family decent amount of money and so I, I bring it up because the separation between Cliff and his wife is hinted at, and so of course he can't contribute money like he probably could in the past. And that, hmm, how do I put this, him being someone with a certain profession that lends itself to a particular lifestyle, having that lifestyle ripped away from him. And it's the aspirational, go to high school, go to college, find your partner, get a good job, 2.5 kids, picket fence, and live your life. That old, like, American dream. It's like he had that, but it's at what cost? And so, though we see him, we don't necessarily see him struggle, but it's inferred that his financial struggle is real because of these decisions that he made. But these decisions that he made makes him a more real, fully fleshed out, actualized person, as opposed to existing in this cloud of, like, fictional American dream where you don't really want your wife because you are a queer man. And so taking that pay cut, per se, with her and the kids leaving him and taking half or most of his practice, but that being the cost he has to pay to live his real life, it was so interesting. Now, I'll say this. Though I did love these Cliff character, I would have liked to have seen an actual gay black man, beautiful gay, dark skinned black man, play this role. But I think Sterling is phenomenal. He did what he needed to do. A lot of his acting, he stole every scene he was in. I think everyone was great. Everyone had chemistry with each other, but that man was a standout in this movie. Another interesting part about him that I enjoy that has me wanting to look more into Percival, the author um, of Erasure is this, how do I put this? This queer black man who it can be understood that he had been dealing with his own queer identity for some time, even prior to being married or maybe right when he got married. But this idea of him being this adult man in his 40s, because I think Lisa was in her late 50s, in his 40s, <clears throat> having to, and not having to, but having to make up for lost time because he experienced a lot of questionable behavior, the drug use. I think he did a lot of cocaine, um, the succession of sexual partners. Now, this isn't to shame anyone. Do what you got to do. The world's going to hell in a handbasket in real life do what you need to do to make yourself feel good but he's positioned in a way that feels like a 20 year old kid and he even mentions i gotta make up for lost time you know i just been gay for what he say for you he didn't say that i forget how many years but i think two years three years i don't know but again this black man who is now paid the price of his poor decision making which also stems from a larger idea narrative concept of why you couldn't just be gay to begin with why you couldn't just live in your true life what systems are at play that made that very uncomfortable which we saw a bit of that later on in the film with his mother dealing with her alzheimer's and saying something very ugh, ugh, about oh i knew you uh wasn't one of them queers and like having that Ah, it's a lot. So uh, his character is the one that I maybe enjoy the absolute most. If I had to rank anyone, Sterling's portrayal was great. A lot of the topics being discussed were very uh, real. They were things that I've I've seen playing out right before my eyes and things that I've been privy to, you know, not so publicly as well. And it's like, my goodness, this is ridiculous. Um, and then we have... Uh, Coraline, Coraline played by Erica Alexander. And that Coraline, this movie was wonderful for black love. And not just that in the concept and idea of just black people being together, but when you get movies in the past, everyone's 25. Like there there was this apprehension of being older and a certain portrayal of what it is to be an older person. And adding into the different, maybe racist ideologies and practices going on throughout every facet of American life, but specifically in Hollywood and entertainment and media, to see seasoned black love, I'll say that, I hope that sounds good, (laughs) was so good to see from Lorraine and Maynard to seeing Monk, (coughs) excuse me, to seeing Monk and Coraline, I just I enjoyed it. Now, Erica did a phenomenal job. She was a lawyer. She was a just regular person. Lived across the street from their beach home. They had to sell. They being the um, Ellison's had to sell the home that the mother lived in to move into the beachfront home and to care for her there. They bumped heads. She dropped some tomatoes on the ground. He went and helped her pick them up and. Uh, she's like, oh, you know, you just moved in. And he's like, yeah. She's like, oh, I didn't think anyone lived in that house. And he was like, yeah, we, we just moved uh, moved in here. And she says, kind of jokingly, I thought it was haunted. They said this um, uh, older man blew his brains out in the house or something. And it was this uncomfortable laughter when she realized that's Monk's father. So Monk's father committed suicide. So that's another part of the, the movie that Had me, it just had me. The father was imperfect, though to Monk, he was perfect because Monk is the I think the prodigal son because I think it's Lisa Monk, then Cliff. As far as yeah, I think that's it. And having though we don't see the father and we don't see any of this played out on screen, thankfully. Knowing that he was a successful professional, he was a doctor, but he also was flawed. He cheated on their mother time and time again. He was an OBGYN who visited his clients out of town. They made it very clear that the father was a cheater. And then even when that was expressed later in the film with the conversation between Monk and his mom, she's like, he said, why didn't you leave him? She's like, he would have been even more lonely without me. And he's like, what, what do you mean? She was like, he was a genius and geniuses are usually lonely, just like you, you're a genius. And I like like, I'm not doing it justice. Please watch this film if you haven't. But this idea of this perfect leader, head of household image with this beautiful wife and these beautiful kids and this um, status, symbols of having this uh, live in, um caretaker not caretaker um maid uh big nice house nice cars in this profession but then also beneath the surface you're a cheater you're moody you're detached from your children you've prized one as being the favorite or even if you didn't do it intentionally subconsciously you've done it and you have alienated your other two your wife knows about your affairs and then these affairs are just empty things that you're doing to maybe feel something like that was that was heavy and I I enjoyed the portrayal or the yeah, the portrayal, the life of the father that was expressed to us throughout the different characters within the the movie. There was a lot to kind of latch on to. So Coraline and Monk go through their trials and tribulations of dating, and it gets to a point where Monk is really being rude and short with her, but it's based off of his own issues with his life decisions, with his professional decisions. So to kind of bring it all back, Monk has been producing books for years, but they've been a particular type of book, something that he considers more professional and elevated and highbrow. And Issa Rae's character is someone who produced what seems like almost like a, now it's a book, but like a documentary. Urban Novel Exposé. So it's leans heavily because of the satire into the Stereotypical ebonics and stereotypical black Hood culture So not something you would naturally find Within different facets of black people, but this very um, Performative expression of what it is to be a black person from a ghetto or project area and there's a few scenes where she's reading excerpts from the book and it's like clear what this is nah she saying hell nah girl you be pregnant again might be i tells her and if i is ray ray is gonna be a real father this time around and so, Monk decides to write his own. And for everything, they do seem like the same book to me. Like the book that the Easter character wrote and the one that Monk wrote. They seem like they're in the same vein. But with Monk, he's... Doing it pretty much as a fuck you to the publishing community. Because he's like, why am I constantly being passed over? And and I think we all could say we feel that way in some degree. But his issue is, why am I being passed over in trash? What he considers trash like this isn't. And that's where I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Because I like Monk. I like him as a character. Uh, I love the movie. But this shitting on books that are not the same as yours or what you deem to be um, worthy was really frustrating. Now I get it because it's like you're writing this book for the white audience and for the white um, guilt of it all to make money, which was expressed later on in the film. But I think one thing that we missed that we got a little bit of because of the Erica Alexander character core line is where are the black people in this conversation? Because we're focusing so and that could be the intention of uh, Percival's book and of the movie. And so I'm not saying that it's not good. But for me, I was like, okay, we are focusing on the absurdity of performing a certain aesthetic for white people to consume to then make money. I get that. But where is the black person who's also consuming this? And I and that's not to say they're going to love this. You can hate this as well this being specifically Issa ray character's book and monk's um uh hood book i was like where are they in the conversation and i didn't need a whole lot but i did want to have a bit more conversation other than just between Issa and and monk i wanted that but we didn't get that but that's okay so with that book he wrote, gave it to his editor and the editor was like, here, I want you to shop this around." He's like, I don't want to do it. I want to touch this. I ain't here for controversy. I'm just trying to sell books. I'm scared of this. Monk's like, man, send it out. Then the editor's like, well, can I say that it's a performative piece? He said, no, send it straight. I want this to be, this is the book. And he wrote a, um, got a stage named Stag R. Lee and it gets picked up for tons of money, more money than Monk has ever seen for any of his previous books and I get that frustration there because if it's something and now if it's something that you deem less than or not as quality as your own then it's like how did they get this deal why did where where did that come from even though the person is you because you that's your pen name um watching him battle with this even if I did not agree with his ideas on a lot of it was very interesting to see the ride that we went on with him specifically about his art and him and Coraline and her discussing, Oh, I've read one of your books. Oh, what did you think? And then seeing this back and forth between them, even though we, the audience never read his book, like we can infer that by the things that Coraline was saying, um, you know, what the book was about, how it was received. And I've been there so many times with my manuscripts, with books that I've published with someone, consuming my work and then me wondering, okay, what did you think? Even if it's bad, it's like, okay, what did you think? Oh, it's bad. Okay. Why? What about this? You didn't like. There's this excitement that can't really speak to other folks, but when you're a writer, there is this excitement of how is this being perceived? How does this age? Who is this reaching? Who hates it and why? Who loves it and why? Which character are you latching on to? I like character A, but everyone seems to like character C. I wonder what is it about character C? What did I write that made them so lovable to this person? Maybe what's going on in the world that might be reflected in my book that now is giving certain scenes and actions and dialogue a whole new meaning. And I think that was expressed so well in this book, this book and this movie. When Coraline discussed his book, seeing his face light up, Um, and then even when she discussed his pen name book by Staggar Lee and the frustration that he had with her about, how do you even enjoy this shit? This is trash, bro, whatever. And it's like, we are varied. I I think Twilight is a terribly written series, but I love the movies. I know that there are problems with that series. Tons of them, but I can still enjoy it just like I can still enjoy um, some highbrow film or some, you know, indie comedy made on someone's camcorder back in 93. People can like different stuff, but he was so frustrated in dealing with his own shit in his own head that he did not make room for other people. He never even expressed to her that he was the author of that book. So on her end, I meet this nice guy, handsome dude. We hang out, we spend time together. I, I get folded into his life where I'm now meeting his family. Everyone knows me first name basis. And then all of a sudden you flip this switch and you getting snappy with me? Ah, oh, it was fucked. And so another part about this that I think they did not harp on a lot was the money. So Monk is dealing with money issues. The lights out in his mom's home. You know they had to sell the original home to move it to the beach house and whatnot. With Lisa gone, that's income gone. Cliff now living his second puberty, as and not but being a gay man and buying his drugs and hanging out with his lovers and all that. He doesn't have the stable income to assist. This book and this book deal heavily supplemented the income that was lost and then some. And that was never really, in my opinion, expressed in the film prior to Cliff coming back home to the beach house to see mother because the mother went off to a uh, a nursing home where he asked him, how you paying for this shit? Cause the mercy on was like, $56,000? No, $5,600 a month. What? Um, and Cliff was like, how are you paying for this? And Monk was like, well, I can start sending you the bill. He's like, Oh, ah, nope, that's okay. And so in that same scene, a bit later when Cliff is dancing with his mother and Monk and Coraline are outside of the her room door, she's like, yeah, um, I got these daisies for your mom. Cause her mom loved daisies. And she's like, and how did you, um, how are you affording this? You're not no secret drug dealer, are you? And he was like, no, I'm a writer, and you're my girlfriend, not my accountant. I'm like, hold the fuck up. Don't take your frustrations out on me. And and I really hated that for Coraline, because again, if we're looking at the movie from her point of view, I met a nice guy, we hit it off, I'm now part of his life, and I enjoy him, I enjoy his books. And now, randomly, when I bring up the idea of, hey, you know this is very expensive, how, how are you affording this? Instead of us having an adult conversation, you snapping me? Oh, fuck you! So, <laughs> she deals with that mess. Um, and ultimately, she tells him to leave. Because when they have their blow up and their argument uh, some time later, where they are sitting at her kitchen table eating, He's a little, a little bit more tipsy than in some of his issues is kind of bubbling up to the surface. And he pretty much tells her like, fuck this book. This is dumb. Why are you reading this? And she's like, well, a friend of mine gave it to me. I like it. You said you didn't read it. You got a lot of opinions on this book for somebody who ain't read it. And she, she kicks him out. And I love that. Get him out of here and ultimately him and cliff have a heart to heart where he's like you don't let anyone in people want to love you people want to care for you but you're so busy isolating yourself separating yourself from anyone we don't have the ability to be in your head we're trying to be there with you and you're pushing us away um in that scene there was a conversation again going back to sterling playing this queer black character where he says um, you know, Dad died without knowing that I'm gay, without knowing who I am, and that makes me sad. And Monk is like, "Well, um, what if he? What if you told him and he didn't accept you?" And Clifford says, "Then at least he would be accepted. Uh, he would be not accepting the real me." and I was like, "Oh, that shit is heavy." There were so many moments like that in this film, and I'm just it blew my mind. I, ah, my God. So, ultimately, I'll go ahead and and wrap that up. This movie had an ending that I don't ordinarily like. Um, There is a series on Netflix. I can't remember the name. Is it? now you see not now you see me it's if i if i can remember it i'll kind of i'll put the poster on the screen or something but it's about a um guy this is a uk uh series about a guy who meets this girl he likes her she gets a lot of drama and stress going on there's some drug cartel all the other stuff involved but the ending of that was so it was left so ambiguous that it's like what the hell happened and i i'm okay with it because like figure out whatever works for you and that's what happened but I don't think it was executed well in that series because you had us watch all these hours of this story and this trial just to end up with like oh maybe they made it maybe they didn't no give me something concrete I've invested all this time with this movie because it was very meta there is this thing where you don't know how this movie ended And I like that because it essentially gives you three different options for ending that you just decide which one works for you. So the whole time we're watching the film the book that Monk wrote as Stag R. Lee gets option for a movie so they throw money at him to make a movie and ultimately he decides he wants to make a different movie and it is the movie about the man who wrote the Stag R. Lee and wrote that book and so you get to a point in the film where essentially the entire film we've watched has been a retelling of the events of the film and so where Stagar Lee who is a fugitive quote unquote fugitive on the run by the from the FBI who is um wrote this book about incarceration and whatnot there is a ending where he stands up and reveals himself because he wins this award and we fade to black there is a version where he reveals himself and confesses. And then the FBI come in and they kill him. And there is a version of this where Monk at that same dinner, award ceremony, goes back to Coraline's house and apologizes. And so there's three, maybe four, three different variations of it. Well, four, because you get the actual ending of the actual movie that you're sitting in the theater to watch, which is him and his brother, Riding off into the sunset, but even that could possibly be seen as not the official ending if that's not what you want. Because there's the book, is the book and the movie is the movie that we've been watching. It's the I love it. So, where ordinarily I think that ambiguity would have really pissed me off, I think it works well with this film and the way that they decided to um, portray the characters, and the events of the movie. Um, It has me really interested to read Erasure by Percival even more than ever now. So I think I may add that to a 2024 reading list. Um, But y'all let me know. Those of you who have seen it and you have watched the ending play out for you, did you like the ambiguity of it, the choose your own adventure portion, or were you like what the fuck is going on? I just want to know what's what. Let me know because I liked it, but I know that I don't like that with other films and properties usually. And lastly, what I recommend. I think it's clear. I would recommend this movie. Yes. absolutely. freaking lutely This is really good. Um, and let me know your thoughts. If you've seen it, if you want to see it, if you've seen the trailer, whatever, let me know what your thoughts are. And, um, you know, if you agree with some of the things I said, if you disagree, that's perfectly fine. But let me know. Leave it in the comments. All right, y'all. I am Rain Coleman, the Carefree Black Nerd. This has been a review over none other than American Fiction. I hope you guys had a great time. You're wonderful people. See you back here next time. Um, hit me up on Twitter and on TikTok at Blurred, on IG, and on YouTube at Carefree Nerd. Carefree blurred and carefree blurred. Whatever. It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> and until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. And I don't know. Take care of your mama and get that beach house together if you got one. And if you're gay, be gay. I don't know. The whole position is the mission. Had to learn to love and trust my own volition. And last year I had to max out on commission and ration it the people that play the position. Compassion is one that never abandoned any pushback. We cut ties and loose hands. So long to do it. Game is turned on.